everybody welcome to the 198th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling here in beaverton oregon has have had a pretty long day broadcasting but you know what we're here and we're about to talk some blazers basketball It's, it's been quite a while since our last podcast but you know like there's some new news and really i just missed you Exactly. I, I missed you as well. There's a, a, a lot going on currently. Um, it's been going on more than just the past two weeks. If you've had your eyes opened, if, if your eyes are just opening now, welcome uh, to America. But Sage, this is the most, I don't even know if there's an adjective to describe the, the current state of well-being in in maybe America, maybe maybe the world. I mean, we we thought our lives were were upside down when the coronavirus took took off three months ago. And you know, I had never been quarantined before. I had never seen every single major sporting event completely come to a halt. Everything just paused. And then over Memorial Day weekend, it was essentially the last straw. I mean, everyone saw that video of of George Floyd, and rightfully so, there are protests now. We are bringing social justice and racial equality to the forefront of all our conversations, and it's been going on, and I'm happy to see that it's been going on. I, I think the infusion of sports back into our daily lives is dividing us a bit. And I don't think either side is particularly right or particularly wrong. I think this is a, a scenario where we finally are having a discussion about race in America for the first real time in my 35 years of living here. And we, it, it's a marathon stage. This is not a sprint. This is not a 400 yard dash not even a relay. I mean, we are going multiple marathons. It might not even get solved in my lifetime. No, no. I mean, like, here's the deal, bro. Like, this shit has been happening, you know, way before, you know, Centuries. the advent of the internet. And, you know, now we're able to, you know, document some of the stuff happening. I've dealt with police harassing me since I was 16. And when I was 16, there was no Facebook. There, I mean, I guess there might have been a Facebook or a MySpace, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, shit has happened for a long time. And I'm happy to see that people, especially white people, are enthused by the cause of having racial equality. But my mom, my mom taught me right. And, you know, to help people that, need help I, I you know i'm happy that everybody it, right now is is enthused but there's so much more work that needs to be done this is like the base this is we just got out of the tutorial level of the video game of life so we got a long way to go before things are okay but you know th- like 
in, in in these weeks that we haven't recorded, I've definitely been reading and watching docs and stuff like that, just to remind myself of we got to overstand our past to get to the future. So speaking of of docs, Olga and I just were wrapping up the LA ninety two documentary on Netflix right before we we jumped on uh, the the Zoom to to record this episode, and you know I was aware uh, of what happened just because I've followed the, the Blazers in 92 and game four was moved to Las Vegas instead of Los Angeles due to the unrest and the, the rioting and the fires. But there was a lot more that went into those riots that the documentary told and the most chilling aspect of it was it touched on the Watts riots about 27 years earlier in the 60s. And at the end of this documentary, they're almost splicing together footage because it's a parallel. And we're seeing this same parallel 28 years later. And so just because even if you feel like we get a, a ground up, a leg up, like things are starting to go in the right direction, this is something you don't ever stop. The momentum must keep going. Like white people, if, if you are tired right now, and I've, I've definitely over the past two weeks, I've been like, oh man, I'm a little bit tired. Something that always sets me back to reality is people of color and especially black people have been dealing with this their entire lives. We can handle it. We need to be there and be an ally and, and listen and educate. You know, I, I'm just getting ready to start um, a book tomorrow. I've got a couple on the way. Uh, I've been watching the movies on Netflix that have been recommended, uh, studying up. Like, I was naive. I can admit that. And up until 2014, I thought race relations in America were getting better. Mike Brown was my uh, awakening. You know, we, the social media was rampant. We had footage and it wasn't enough. And you, you see it time and time again. And what was interesting about that, that documentary, LA 92, that was documented. Somebody with their home video camera had it, still got off scot-free. And it's just another, I guess, marker in this country's history where justice was not served. And so until justice is served, we got to keep going and Sage that this is a very important topic for you and I both. I mean, we, we both believe in inequality. We, we want to see people treated right and, and just, and it's, it's not it, nothing about what is happening right now. It is, it feels right or is right or has been right since the dawn of time. So, you know, I'm going to continue to, to, and you are as well. Like we're going to talk about this, and I think basketball plays a role because when the NBA announcement that they were coming back, I last week I was really worried that it was going to be a distraction. For for once, I saw that we were having the discussion about race in America, and I kind of had the thought like, oh shit, here we go again. Here's the distraction that everybody is going to use to put this conversation on pause and then talk about what LeBron did, what Dame did, what Harden's going to do. Oh, did you see Russ? And then there, there's this, this wave of, of players that are thinking, okay, maybe sitting out, like let's take a stand and sit out. Um, 
we've got some work to do in the communities. We've seen the we've seen multiple blazers from the Sir Little Dame, Aunt uh, Rodney Hood, be at these protests, and I see that point of view. I also see the point of view of playing and using your platform to speak out on on things that need to be adjusted in 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 the world. So for me as a white male, I, I, I feel like it's not really my place to, to voice my opinion. My, my opinion is that I support the players and what they decide to do because I, I feel like whatever avenue they decide, they have my support. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I've, I've been seeing stuff on, the, uh, on Twitter saying that sports, you know, divides instead of amplifies. But when we, we see NASCAR, Bubba Wallace take that stand and in a very white dominant sport of NASCAR, you know, with the, I can't breathe shirt and the black Lives matter car sports can be a, a jumping off point for social justice. I mean, you see it with Bill, I mean, Bill Russell, if we're going to bring it back to basketball, like the first player coach, one of the, he has more championship rings than hands and thumbs. Like this can be a useful tool because people are going to be watching the games. So the players can absolutely make their stand during the games. I support whatever those players choose to do. But if we're going to talk about basketball, like, let, let's do it. Like, it, it's six weeks away. And it, if shit's this bad still, I don't think that we're going to have the NBA season. Like, with how iffy things are with the coronavirus, I can't imagine that it won't be safer in six weeks. It's not 10 days. It's not a week. Like, hopefully there's some form of better health care that this feels feasible. Because right now, I know in the bottom of my heart, the reason there's a regular season and there's a reason there's going to be this type of a uh, tournament is because it gives the NBA the most financial revenue because if they, they're trying to make sure that 2021 is as normal as humanly possible. We're seeing this with the MLB where they're having all of these discussions on how revenue is going to be used. I think the NBA sees that and is like, Let's just let's get this $720 million in revenue for these eight games plus the playoffs. And to think that it's anything else other than to make sure 2021 is as normal as possible seems, you know, kind of a little naive. Like it is a business at the end of the day that these NBA teams and owners and, you know, everybody's trying to make as much money as possible. So when I think it like that, it's like, I don't know, man. Like, there's some days where I feel like we don't need it. We've already had, we've already been without basketball for so long. And now there's, you know, days it's like, you know, they could use this as change if this, this arena is safe. I, I'm with you too. I have complete mixed emotions. I mean, we're, we're talking about race relations and, you know, you brought up the coronavirus. That, that is a whole other pall of wax. To, to deal with. And we've seen states like we're still in the first wave. And I, I've noticed almost just, it just seems like 
people have stopped caring about it and you're not seeing as much personal protection and Texas is now going to phase three opening and they're having the most case, cases that they've ever witnessed. Oregon spiked, uh, Florida where the players are going to go play it is spiking and you almost wonder it is a hundred percent about the money f- from the owner's perspective. Absolutely. And probably the players to be real. Oh yeah. The, and I understand it from a player's perspective. Not every player is a Dame or a CJ and has a 20, $30 million contract. There are some players who make a hundred thousand. Yeah. They make a great amount of money, but they never foresaw the fact that a coronavirus was going to stop their financial stream of, of income. Um, nobody could could have prepared for that, especially if you get like a rookie like Nasir Little, who's who's just now getting that influx of of cash. He probably has plans for that money. Doesn't matter what it is, and it's on that stream is cut off, and it's not like you can tell these other players, okay, go out and get a job. One, it wouldn't be as comparable in terms of of the financial uh, salaries, and two, we're at a huge unemployment crisis. Yeah, like try and find work. It's it's fucking difficult to find work right now. So, yeah, these players are kind of at a standstill. So, it like I I get both sides of every argument, but at the end of the day, it is about money and it's about revenue and you know, like I I see people excited and I see people you know, kind of nervous about how the the, the season's going to end, but I just want to tell them like it's about revenue. Like mm. There could have been a better way for the, the the brackets to be out like in that World Cup style, you know, tournament, but it isn't. You know why? It's because of the money, baby. It's always about the dollar. So as we talk about the Blazers throughout these next this next season, like keep in the back of your mind, this is about the money. So we might get to see Dame for let's be really optimistic and say 20 games or six or 16 plus eight is 24 games. Like it's all about that money. The the NBA is trying to make that dollar. Yeah. I would say, I think the players genuinely want to play as long as it's safe, reasonably safe. (laughs) You know, they're, they're jonesing for it. Like they've been cooped up like the rest of us. This is what they've, you know, prepared for and trained for and dreamt their entire life. This is their profession. This is their career that they are more passionate about than most people are about their, their, you know, nine to fives. This yeah. Is they what, de- dedicated their lives to this. But they have absolutely correct. They have dedicated everything. They've sacrificed a lot and they're competitors and they want to go out there and play. And assuming they do play it's um, the Blazers have some pros in their favor and they have some cons. And so, you know, let's start off looking at it from a positive lens. Obviously you get some reinforcements back. You get Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic. Not only do you upgrade in talent, you get more depth, but those players specifically fill in roles where we were extremely weak. They shore up a lot of our defense and rebounding, which we were to be quite frank, abysmal. I mean, when you replace Carmelo Anthony, who 10th percentile athleticism with Zach Collins, who might be like perfect in today's age for bigs. So to replace that, it's huge. Like the athleticism, the defense, like we're, we, and then Melo gets to still be in the rotation. 
like we're getting a huge bump up in skill, talent, height. There's been so many games this year where we only had Hassan and no one else over six eight. Like it it it's insane how little we worked the free agent market to try and find a backup point guard that you know is just able to do basic things and then height in the front court. It is insanity that we only had one big that's over six ten and Shit, remember against Milwaukee when Hassan was hurt and we didn't have anybody? That's a travesty. Like, looking back at that, that's an embarrassment of roster construction. You also have to factor in that Mm -hmm. this season that they're trying to pull off is an even more compressed version of the 99 lockout season. And the Blazers of 99 kind of took the NBA by surprise, and they did it because they had depth, and they got hot. And they were young, so to speak. The Blazers have those three things, and the current Blazers have those three things in their favor as well. They get added depth with those two players that we mentioned coming back. They have top-end talent in Dame Lillard. I mean, Sage, we're talking about eight games to get within four games of, of the eighth seed. If Dame or any other player in the league gets hot, it could be lights out for, mm-hmm. for, for the rest of the competition. If he goes on a 10-game run like he did in January, the Blazers could damn well win this whole thing. Yeah. And, and that's what people have to kind of realize. There is no more home court advantage. Everything gets reset to zero. For teams like the Lakers and the Bucks and the Clippers, that is a huge disadvantage. Mm-hmm. For teams like the Rockets and, and Blazers and you know Denver Nuggets, it is a huge advantage because – the playing field is completely leveled. You don't have to travel to Denver. You don't have to go on the, on the plane. Like you just really, it's, it's almost like AAU ball. We're mm-hmm. going to hoop every other day. We're going to hang out, you know, stay in the hotels. There's no travel. And if your guys get hot, I mean, watch out. I mean, it, can, it, it's curtains. I mean, like the Sixers, the one of the best teams at home, the worst on the road. And yeah. How is that going to translate? And you also have to factor in the leadership. This is where I think is going to separate the, the teams that succeed in this environment and the teams that kind of falter is, is mentally. You are basically in a bubble. Your sole focus is basketball. You're going to be playing a lot of it. And you're going to be away from your friends and family. You might have some family with you, but it's going to be a completely foreign environment to say the least. Can your leader or leaders get you on that same page and focus? And it's going to be hard to focus. I mean, we're not even talking about the bubble stage to focus just to get your mind wrapped around that. Okay. What am I doing for my community? Am I, am I doing enough, you know, with my platform, which we talked about earlier, like is your mind elsewhere? And it, it wouldn't be wrong if it was elsewhere either, but that is still what is going to, I think, define who, who wins and who loses. And I think Portland has one, like Damian Lillard could be one, arguably the most valuable player in this setting. Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't have Giannis's height. No, he doesn't have LeBron's strength. But he is the best leader in professional sports. And he's built for something like this. So I think guys like Braun and Dame have just a humongous advantage. Like guys that need that alpha man, this is not, this isn't the the season for that. 
you need alphas on your team. Yeah. But, well, I, I'm thinking of the Lakers. If LeBron wasn't there, they'd be fucked. This version of LeBron, because they AD needs that that alpha so he can do his thing. So that like if there seems like that without that defined leader, they're at a distinct disadvantage when when coming into this 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 fucking weird scenario. And like we can't we can't project anything. Because there's nothing like this that has ever happened. I can, I guess that the Blazers will run a four-out scheme with either Hassan or Nurk playing every single minute. Other than that, I really don't know. I mean, you've got that. I mean, you 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 nailed it there. This is the unknown. And if we, you know, we talked about the pros that Portland has. There are two cons that that really stand out to me. Portland was known for their continuity and chemistry. They broke that up in this offseason, and it got even more really torn to shambles with all of the injuries and the, the trades in season. Yusuf Nurkic hasn't played since March of last year. He's going to be going on 15, 16 months without playing professional basketball. Zach Collins has been out since pretty much Halloween. Game three. Yeah, game three. That's about nine months. And now you're going to infuse them with heavy minutes into the lineup. So that continuity in chemistry is gone. Dame, CJ, Reza, Nurk, Collins have not played a single minute together. Yep. Not a single minute. And we are asking them to go in there and play and perform at a high level, which brings me to my next point is Portland. Yes, everything got reset, but look at looking at the standings, their backs are against the wall. They have to get off to a fast start. There is no margin for error with this team. Yeah. Because they have to they have to finish within four games of the eighth seed to even get into any sort of play-in. And they're they had a cupcake schedule down the stretch. Well, those teams are no longer there. Gone. So now you're going to be playing harder teams. So Portland, while roster-wise, I would take them over Utah, especially with Bogdanovich out, uh, an inexperienced. Dallas team, probably even Denver. We, you know, we handled them last year in Houston. I'd put Portland top three, top four roster wise right now in the West. But given how this, it ain't about the, it ain't about the roster. It's about how it, it's chemistry, baby. There's zero evidence that this works. Zero. Basketball is about chemistry. It, yes, there's talent. You put that in there. You put all of those other factors in there. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's how this cake bakes. We have zero, zero time with these fel- players healthy on the floor together. Could you imagine that? So, you know, teams like Denver, they've played together for a long while. That, that has to be a huge factor. Like those teams that have had the continuity in this ex- expediated season, that shit might, that shit might I mean, be the, the key. We also have to look at, what if someone comes down with the coronavirus? What if it's a major player? Also, we'll go back to mentally. It's been three, it'll be almost four months from the time the season ended in, in mid-March to late July when they pick it back up. To me, this isn't the 1920 season. They should just call this and this brand is just the 2020 season. We're starting basically from scratch mm. because there's no way that anything that happened in the previous quote-unquote season transfers or translates over 
Any team that had momentum, it's gone. Any team that had turmoil, okay, you get another chance of getting things right. There are just so many unknowns, and it's it's crazy to think that that we're even talking about a, a season restart. But like you said, I, I think it comes down to money. I think it gives the players a, a platform to to speak out and. As I was, I think I was texting. It was either yesterday or, or a couple nights ago. But we're all in our own personal bubbles, and we see what we want to see on, on our own timelines. When players are out there using their platform for for good and to, to speak out on what they believe in, and in this case, it, it is you know social justice. They're not trying to reach their timeline. They're trying to reach maybe your 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 racist uncle who is on Facebook or, you know, a neighbor down the street who, who loves NASCAR, they're watching sports center. They're following sports center on, on social. That's how these stories make their way into the mainstream. And that's how the message gets across. And so I do see a great opportunity for that to come across. But Sage, that's not even talking about the, the safety issues that, that come with, the times that we are in. I mean, it just came out today that players are going to be wearing these special rings that can give them up to like a three day notice. If, if they have any symptoms and there's a whole other ethical and maybe moral dilemma there that, okay, why are the millionaire and billionaire athletes, the ones that are able to access this and not our frontline healthcare workers. I mean, it's just, it goes into a deeper discussion about the economic divide that we have in our country. And it's just, it's a very complex, complex thing. This, this is not like if you tuned in to listen to a basketball podcast, like I'm not going to apologize because there's more than basketball going on. It is just a small portion uh, of what, of what's taking place right now. And this season isn't just about basketball either Sage. I mean, you talked about health, and the first thing that came to my mind is what besides Corona is, you know, these guys haven't played ball in a while. You know, there's going to be some sprained hammies, twisted ankles. I mean, what they're giving like, them a couple weeks to get into game shape. Yeah, like you know, let, let's use Anthony Simons for an example because he probably lives in a condo. He don't have a hoop. Like, how are these guys going to be hooping? When the access to basketball courts has been turned off for four months, there's going to be like Aaron Nelson of the Pelicans is going to be busy trying to make sure Zion Williamson's healthy. Brandon Ingram. I don't know who the medical staff is for us, or I would have said it. Do you happen to know who the head trainer is for the Blazers? Jeff Clark. So Jeff Clark's going to be making sure Dame Lillard is as healthy. Like, this is going to put a lot of strain on a lot of people. I mean, you're absolutely right. So it comes down to, I don't think it's been completely released as to what staff and personnel are being allowed to travel, but I'll, I'll, I'll put, you know, maybe myself in that position. If I was still working for the team, are, are they sending a social person there? Okay. If, if they are, where's am i getting hazard pay am i getting a salary increase because i'm essentially living in a bubble too you're talking about trainers trainers aren't making that type of money i mean assistant coaches Mm -hmm. are yeah assistant coaches make good money but i mean it's not and it's not all money but at the same time like the players going out there 
they're doing something that they love, but they are getting paid in full essentially with the contracts that they sign. I mean, it, it is a, a lucrative mm-hmm. profession to be, but there is no equity involved in terms of pay when human lives are, I mean, there's no difference in a human life between Anthony Simons and the trainer. They're both asked to go. One's getting paid a significant amount more. It's just like, I want to make sure like, you know, we're talking about this now, like there, it, it needs to be as much as it can worthwhile for all, for, for all parties involved. Yeah, all, all yeah. involved, all involved. I mean, yeah, Yo, you're making a sacrifice. Like I seriously, seriously doubt that, you know, an assistant coach can have his entire family with him. So he's they're making that sacrifice on the family side as well for this profession that, you know, we all love, but I mean, that's, if you follow through all the way to the finals, you're there until damn near Halloween stage, you're three months isolated. And mm-hmm. that that's, I mean, regardless of money, that's a lot to ask for a human being. Like, mm-hmm. I just hope the NBA knows what they're doing. I, I hope they have contingency plans in place. I hope that they're planning for the worst, to be quite honest. Um, because we we all saw what happened when Rudy Gobert was diagnosed with, with the coronavirus. Everything shut down. Like That was the domino that started everything. Mm. Mm-hmm. So they better be prepared to have something in place when some player comes down with the coronavirus. Because unfortunately, I think it's inevitable. It, 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 I mean, like, how many people, like, there's going to be, there's going to be X number of players. There's going to be, there's still going to be people surra- inf- infiltrating that bubble that they're living in. You know, the outside presences are going to happen in this thing. I would really hate to be part of the planning committee on this because there's so many contingencies that are taking place between option a through z and they're gonna have option z like what if this happens what if that happens so i trust that the nba is going to actually think about all of these things instead of just hoping for the best like you know you got like this is some serious shit Carl anthony towns lost his mother from from this like Everybody probably knows somebody who's been impacted from it. Like it's just because it's been three months doesn't mean it's gone. Like it, until there's a vaccine, the day-to-day lives, the livelihood it is completely uh, upside down. Um, will I tune in and watch? Obviously I, I am a, a Blazers fan. I, I love basketball. I will welcome watching something that I, I, you know, really enjoy. If it were up to me, would I have a seat? I don't know. Um, it, it, that's such a complicated it's, question it's, because there's so many factors that you, me and everybody listening here do not know. There's so many, there's so many steps to this. There's so many pieces of the puzzle for us to solve. It's a very great issue. And if anyone caught that, uh, cannabis reference, good on you. But like, you know, it's just so it's so difficult and there's just so many reasons for me to feel one way and then another way. And if there's some piece of news that I agree with, I'm I'm twisted a little more to that side. But if there's something that just seems supremely unsafe, it's like, 
do we really need the does does the the does the roster flexibility of 2021 mean more than human life? You know, there's just so many questions that these gen- these owners have to deal with. Like, can are you cool with the profitability of your organization over a human life? That's that's a, that's a deep question to ask. And, you know, it also comes to a point, too, I was talking to Olga the other day, and you know, we were talking, we were planning about Thanksgiving. And I was like, well, it has, has there, is there going to be a vaccine by Thanksgiving? If there's not, like, well, what, what do we do? Like, it, at a certain point, do we just have to live with that there's always going to be a, a coronavirus that we don't have a, a vaccine for? And, you know, we're just going to have to be extra cautious or, you know, are we going to get an update that there is a vaccine on the way in the next couple of months? So you know, is, is this the new normal? Like there, we are in unchartered territories right now. Yeah. And, um, I wish I had more answers, but I don't think anybody has any answers. We just need to listen to the experts and listen to black people. I mean, do you, to go bring back to basketball, do you think that NERC is going to be on a minutes restriction? I wouldn't think so. One, because you have a capable big in Hassan Whiteside, but two, I mean, it's we're going on a year and a half since this injury happened. Like if if he's not able to to play basketball 18 months removed, I mean, I, I don't know if he's ever gonna be able to. Now, I, I think conditioning is a whole other topic, but talking oh, oh, strictly yeah. his his injury, I, I would hope not. I think they are gonna ease him back in, which is a smart thing to do, but you know, this is also big for, for, for Nurk. Um, he's got a mm-hmm. contract up in two years and he has been injury prone. I mean, he's been injured every year, hasn't he? Pretty much every single year. Um, the, he wasn't super injured in 17, 18 when he slipped. Is that skinny? Uh, yeah, that's he, skinny Nurk. He was, when he was not trash. effective at all. Clearly, um, he had the, the leg injury in uh, 16, 17 during, during Nurk fever. And then last year, he had that gruesome injury against Brooklyn in, in March of 2019. So this is a, a big moment for him personally. Um, it's also a big moment for mm-hmm. Zach Collins. He's seeing a lot of members of this 2017 draft class getting paid, getting ready to get their max extensions. And he's basically on the bench. Um, he's got a lot of potential, but... I don't think the Blazers are willing to open up that pocketbook for potential. Like they need to see, they need to see, see, they need to see some production elongated, consistent success because he hasn't. Yeah. At least a season, just, just a season contract year, Zach will take it, but we need to see a full season. No more flashes of brilliance. He's. Whoa. Third year in the league. Third year. We can only talk about his defensive IQ and potential for so long. He has to show it. But I don't really expect him. At least he's a younger male, so it's he's a young man. He can run up and down the court like a demon. Because we're gonna need that, especially with the scheme that we run. I hope. I mean, yo, I hope in his off time he's been shooting them shots because we got two people that really cannot afford to be in the uh, in the slot role in, in our uh, offense. They need to be in the paint. Like, he better be working on that jumper, man. The amount of skill and ability that's coming back to us that 
is probably healthy right now. It's crazy. Like no other team is having this much reinforcements. It, it's going to be interesting in these eight games, what they do with Yusuf just on a rotation aspect, because we do have a very capable center right now in getting in, in providing what we need. Who would be your starting five? Game Dame one. CJ, Ariza, Zach Collins, uh, Hassan. And yeah. then I sprinkle in uh, Nurk for five minutes in the first quarter, second quarter, uh, first quarter, five minutes, takes a break. Second quarter, five minutes, takes a break. Third quarter, five minutes, takes a break. Fourth quarter, five minutes, takes a break. And that he'll have 20 minutes of rotation. That means Hassan's out on the court for 28 minutes. And then uh, Zach... I think he's going to be mostly the four this the, the in these eight games just because we really need to work in his, uh, our two centers. So I think that Mello would be the direct backup to Zach. And then Gary would be the direct backup to uh, Ariza. Who's your backup to? Oh, Gary? shit. I guess, shit. I, I mean, I would put Nasir at three, Gary at two, and then Ant at one. Sorry. Yeah, I, I don't want Mario to see the floor. Yeah, I I, I agree with your rotations as well. Um, do you think Melo would accept the bench role? I mean, he he's been talking about how he wants to end his career here, right? So you can't. Ex- I, I I think a very foolish man would expect Melo to be, get the starting job here because we have Zach Collins who needs this needs this royal jelly, and we know what Melo is. I mean, you also have to to look at we we've seen enough uh, of this current starting five. It doesn't work long term in spurts. Once in a while, when Dame goes off for sixty, of course. But in general, Dame, CJ, Ariza, Melo, and Hassan it is not a threat. It's a fringe playoff team. At best, offensively, it's fine. Zach, but you know what? Defensively, it's atrocious. It's it's beyond atrocious. It's, so I mean, Zach coming back and uh, like I. I I don't know about you, but for me, I am very confident that we will see the actual Zach Collins return. You know, I, I'm very confident of that Nurk. It's it's just you know, flip a coin. It's a big question flip mark. A coin. But mm-hmm. I, I I trust that Zach's going to come back and provide good defense, uh, active hands, athleticism, something we're very lacking. Youth. Zach Collins could have a really nice end of regular season and playoff series. Nurk, I am. Bro, you know, you never know what uh, what it is in there. Is, is that something that we're gonna have to deal with for his entire? Like, like, let's say he signs that next contract. Is that something we're going to have to worry about forever with Yusuf? I mean, it depends. Do we see it or do we not? And I know that's kind of a cop out answer, but you look at a guy like Zudrunas Agalskis for the Cavaliers. He spent the first three or four years just on the on the disabled list, in, inactive, in, inactive list. You know, with that that foot. All of a sudden, it's healed, and he's probably on the on the all time Cavalier team, and he had a fantastic career w- with that organization. Um, that feels like the exception, not the rule, though. Probably, but again, we didn't know until we saw him have a couple a couple of healthy seasons. Can Nurkic get through this healthy? Can he get through next season healthy? If so, then you start to believe it, but. I think Portland needs to be cautious with Nurk and in basketball talent alone, he is definitely part of this big three, especially given his age, 
and his cultural fit with, with Dame CJ and that entire locker room. They, they just gel, that they fit. They're like a glove. But when you look at it from a games played, a games missed standpoint. Availability is a very nice talent. Availability is a big question mark with, with, with Nurkic. And it's not fair, but that's just what we've seen. Um, the injury bug, for whatever reason, tends to just hit certain players. And if if he can get through, I mean, to be to be, you know, in his defense, that Brooklyn injury was complete fluke. But didn't he? Have, but it happened. He, didn't he have another fluke injury? Well, what was weird was in sixteen seventeen during Nurk fever. It just kind of came out. Oh yeah, he, he broke his leg. He's out. For, and just like what? I thought he was just like limping the previous game when he played. And thought, now we're saying he's out for the year. So that was that was definitely strange. But you know, hopefully he can get through this, get through the next season, and then mentally he can become stronger. Hmm. And there's like, there's that trust factor in yourself. Big trust in yourself that I can go out. And I can do this. I'm going to be healthy. And I I hope so. I mean, I mean not only for our fans sake, but for, for, his for him sake, as a human being, I mean, yeah, for he, he has worked his ass off to get back to where he needs to be. I mean, the, you see the way he changed his body from one year to the next. Like I remember saying he looks thick. Maybe if he slimmed down, he could play more minutes. He slimmed down. I mean, it, it, it didn't work out, but the way that he was able to transform his body year to year to deal with what we, we needed at the time, it was huge. Like, to go from you know Nurk fever to skinny Nurk back to thick thick boy Nurk is crazy. I've looked the same in those three years. Like I know, but like y- you know what I'm saying. Like he's transformed what he is to serve the needs of the team, and you know it, that thought went through my mind as I was talking about, like as I was just speaking, and then I just blurted it out. But there, yeah, he has dealt with some injuries, and you know. That's just it, it's just something that we might if if he's going to be the future of the team we have to deal with. But like I I, I fuck with what he does on the court. It's just availability, man. Seven foot bigs, bro. Like they're built different than you and I. Like they're so like they're they're bear, they're bears, but at the same time they're delicate delicate because humans aren't supposed to be three hundred pounds and seven feet. One last thing before I, uh, we log off is that. I am um, on the uh, planning committee of the Medford Multicultural Fair, and we're going to do an online stream on September 26th, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. If you would like to be a part of that for one day of safe, peaceful day of celebrating diversity, please hit me up. My name is Desage on Twitter. Because we have we have six hours of content that we need to fill. So if you wanted to share recipes or you know music, art, any of that stuff, please hit me up. Because I am trying to give everybody a chance to show what makes them and their cultures so special. And you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Himalaya Podcast, Dash Radio, Tuesdays, 2 to 3, Nothing but net radio on the Dash Radio app. And if you listen this far, you're a real one. We talked about some stuff that wasn't, you know, exactly basketball, but we got some basketball talk in there. So I want to thank you for listening and thank you for giving us a chance to, to, you know, to be your entertainment for the day 
or for this hour. It, it, it is important. Thank you. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!